Hello, and welcome to People First Merseyside Podcast. On today's episode, we will be interviewing our coordinator, Joanne. Hello, Joanne. Hi, Robert. So, how are you today? Fine, busy as usual. <laughs> so, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Well, um, I have... I live in the south of Liverpool. I live with my partner, Mark, who I met at People First when he crawled out from under my desk, which is, is true. He was our IT guy. <laughs> um, and we've been together for 13 years now. Um, I've got a daughter and two grandchildren. My daughter is nearly 31 and my grandchildren are six and four. Their names are Summer and Jack and my daughter's called Robin. That's it, really. That's, yeah. yeah. That's good, Joanne. So, how long have you been in the organisation for? Well, I've worked at People First for 20 years. We'll be 20 years in November. Um, I started working in the Liverpool group when we had just one, just our group in Liverpool and a group in mm. Sefton. Um, and I was taken on to support the work um, around the Valuing People white paper, which was a white paper in sort of telling people that, encouraging people with learning disabilities to speak up for their own rights and have more choice and control. Um, so my job back then was to work as part of the Liverpool Partnership Board, um, attend meetings, support members to meetings, make sure they understood lots of complex information so I would make it easy to understand. I would give people the opportunity to speak up and have a say at important meetings. We would get involved in work that was local, regional and national. Um, members attended the regional forums and we used to attend lots of conferences as well as running conferences mm -hmm. and they were all designed to encourage people with learning disabilities to speak up for themselves. Um, we did lots of exciting things back then. We used to support people back to meetings in London and Birmingham and lots of places like that and we worked with lots of other people from across the country um, as part of the, the regional forum and the national forum. Um, and it was really exciting back then because there was lots of investment in support of people with learning disabilities. Um, and although we've continued to do it, there's less money to do it now. So it doesn't happen in quite the same way. But over the years, we've got involved in so many things, um, all about encouraging people with learning disabilities to speak up for themselves. Hi, Joanne. So, um, so you've been really busy over the past 20 years, yeah? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, every day is different mm. and so there's always some there's always a new challenge or a new project or a new something to do um it was in i think it was in 2014 mm -hmm. um liverpool um uh, liverpool withdrew their funding for my post then um, and so I was made redundant, but I was made redundant for two weeks. <laughs> and then I came back and did the same position, same job in Sefton. Mm -hmm. So because Sefton still has a partnership board and still has groups that work alongside the partnership board and there are lots of network meetings in Sefton, I had to learn all about Sefton because I didn't know anything about Sefton. And then 
and working with a new group of people. Um, and we've continued to do that in Sefton until last year when our previous coordinator left to relocate and then I put myself forward for the coordinator's job and mm. now since October I've been the coordinator. So what does a coordinator do? Like how do they do they like have a do they run the organisation or Yeah, that's exactly what I'm designed to be although we're a user led organisation, members are in control, our directors, our board of directors who are all people with learning disabilities are in control of the organisation. But effectively, I'm in charge. Mm. Um, so I'm in charge of the operational, which is the day-to-day -day running of the organisation. Mm -hmm. So that involves um, working with funders, putting bids together, you know, having staff meetings, doing lots of um, liaising with the directors, doing looking at funding, looking at our budgets, working around the budgets, making sure we're paying the bills, making sure that everybody's safe and we've got insurance and we're, you know, making sure the members are okay, making sure the staff are okay, working with Paul to, you know, put budgets together, all of those sorts of things. Chief cook and bottle washer is what I am. <laughs> so um, what made you want to go into like the Salina work? I, I think it was something I always wanted to do but didn't know I wanted to do it if that makes sense because even even like 25 years ago I was out of work and I was doing a course at MVQ and we had to do a placement and I said I wanted to do a placement in a special school and um, so I worked, in, I worked on my placement in a special school and that was something they'd never been asked before about somebody wanting to work with people with disabilities or learning disabilities and I think, so I think it, even back then I didn't know this is what I wanted to do, but it, I, you know, I was directing myself to that, which was a bit strange. And then, and then because I was at that school doing my placement, I heard about a job working in another school, uh, working one-to-one -one with, a, with a, a young lady um, that had behaviours that challenged on a one-to-one. -one. And, um, and so I did that for four years. And then it was, at that point, She'd left school, so I, was, I wasn't working one-to-one, -one, I was working with, like, a whole class. And I think I'd, I'd done as much as I could do in that position. So, it was like, I think it was a bit like fate, because I thought, it was only like that day, I thought, I'll have a look for another job and see if there's anything out there. And I saw the advert for People First. Um, so, I contacted People First and said, I'm thinking of applying and came to visit. And I met Patrick, and I met Ian, who was deaf, and I signed my name to him and signed hello, and he was so impressed with that, that then when I came and met the group, and I thought, you know, that's a lovely, seems like a lovely place to work. I'll go and work there for a few years, because I think at the time it was a two-year contract, so I applied, I got interviewed. My interview was such a long time ago that I had to do my presentation on an overhead projector and fill in acetates, so I, which is really old fashioned now. We couldn't just do a PowerPoint on the computer, which, which is so much easier. Mm. But my interview panel was 10 people. Um, it was 10 of the members of People First, um, and, I had to, and I had to do a presentation about 
why it's important that people can speak up for their rights and things like that. Mm. And I, I was successful, I got the job. Um, and at the time, I thought my the role was just for two years. And 20 years later, <laughs> I'm still here doing mm. the same things. But there's never a dull moment. Every day something wonderful happens that makes me say, yeah, this is why I work here. Because I didn't think for one minute I would still be here 20 years later. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Hmm. So you've been here for 20 years, which is quite a long time. How would you say that people first have changed over those 20 years? It's changed a lot, but it's also still the same. I think it's really important to us that our core values haven't changed. Hmm. The environment has changed. The economy has changed. The types of people who were coming to our organisation has changed because when people first first started 34 years ago those people that were coming to people first had never really had any opportunities some of them didn't some of them had come from institutions um you know we were talking you know people didn't know back then that they had the right to have their own money or understand about money they still got pocket money um, or they attended day services where they just was sat around all day not doing anything and not being very fulfilled. Um, and so back then, the organisation was sort of supporting people with learning disabilities to take power, to sort of take power. So some of that meant not like sort of fighting against parents and carers who at the time were very controlling and were the people that made all of the big decisions about people's lives. Um, and so we supported people to take power, which was really difficult. And I do remember seeing a letter that we got in our archive from a parent saying, how dare you tell my son or daughter that they can have their own money? And that was from 35. So, but over the years, as, as the environment's changed and as people have changed, the people, lots of the people that are coming here now have had lots of opportunities and they've had an education and they... They live with their families, they haven't been sent off to institutions, but the messages are still the same. We're still needing to support people to understand that they have the right to make choices for themselves, they have the right, they have just as much power over their own lives as everybody else, um, whether that's health, money, um, where they live, whether they get a job. It's... But the, as I say, it's still the same, but the environment and the economy and things is very different. When I first started at People First, and under the value of people, there was lots of investment in that, and so there was lots of money to do things and do new things. Now, we have to find funding from elsewhere. Mm. Um, I think I'd like to say that People First is still the same. Things move a lot faster than they used to with the because of computers and because of... The fact that lots of our business is conducted by email and not by post and you know so whereas people used to have we'd have post and lots of post would arrive and that's how people sort of were part of the organization now it's different but we're still people are still coming and consulting with us and um, you know we, we work with lots of other organizations and um, we work with the NHS we work with the police we work with the local authorities we're still really involved in lots of things. Um, I think it's just 
if the answer to that question is the same but different, that sounds a bit daft, doesn't it? But it, <laughs> it's true, it's the same because we, at the heart of it all, it's a user-led organisation and the people who use it are in control of what happens. Hmm. Okay. So, it is interesting to see, like, it's mostly remained the same but changing all sorts of parts. Mm-hmm. So, Jan, what would you say is, like, the hard parts that you need to deal with as your role as coordinator and before you were coordinator as well? I think the hardest, the hard, the hard things are when you can see that somebody's struggling and you need to support them. Um, because that happens, people come, you know, and that could be that it's a safeguarding issue or it could be that somebody just needs a little bit of a shoulder to cry on and then get some support. They're the hard things. And as an organisation, I think the hard thing is that what is is funding. It's money. It's always down to money. Um, and in the current climate, there is, you know we we have to spend a lot of time trying to find funding to do things. The directors, our directors, will know that that's always a conversation that we're having. Where are we getting the money from? How much do these things cost? What can we do? That's the hardest. That's the hardest part. And especially when, if we were not able to get funding, we have to make decisions to get rid of staff and make staff redundant. Um, that's always been a hard part. But that's what third sector and voluntary organisations like ours have to do every day. Mm-hmm. But that's the hardest part, I think, is is just not being able to do everything that we want to do with because we haven't got the, the funds. That's for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without funds, you have to make very difficult choices, don't you? With, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and we're always busy. We're always still busy. There's never any time to do anything. Mm. Um, you know, because, you know, just today, I can think off the top of my head, 10 different things that I need to do. Yeah, we're lucky uh, we even got you on here. Well, yeah, well actually, yes, you are. Yes, I had, like, I had to be had to be reminded, go and do your podcast. <laughs> because there are so many things to do. And, and I think every day I come in and I've had another email with another opportunity. And that's the good thing, the really exciting thing is, is people come to us and say, we'd like, you know, we'd like to work with your group because we know you've got the skills and we know you've got the knowledge. And, and so every day I come in, there's an email saying, can you do this? Can, you, can we come in and meet with your group? Can we, will you do this training for us? Or we just want your expertise to help us with a piece of easy read documentation? Or can you be involved in this so that we know that it's, the people who are involved are going to be properly involved and engaged with and they're going to get the you know and so that's really exciting because then that creates opportunities for all the members to do some really exciting things that they would never get the opportunity to do like one of our members has just been and presented at a national actually international conference in Leicester and was so proud of them everybody watched I was there supporting them, and that was that's just amazing. And they're the things that I remember forever, when people get the opportunity to do something that they would never have got the opportunity to do before. And I think that's the thing that motivates me here: is it's not about me; it's about creating opportunities. Because if anybody's in a job where their job is to make somebody else's life better, that's a privilege, isn't it? And that's what I think this is: mm. it's a privilege. Hmm. And it's good that you mentioned that because would you say that's like something of a fond memory you have? 
I've got so many fond <laughs> memories. I yeah. couldn't pick. I can pick funny memories. I can pick fond memories. But I think. I mean that was that was a that was a recent memory that I'll remember. Mm-hmm. Um, watching that member present um, and knowing that everybody here was watching on Zoom, and there was other people, there was other professionals who made a point of saying, "Can we watch?" And then all the messages that I got saying mm-hmm. how amazing he was and how it, you know, how proud they were of him, and you know, that's something I will I'll never forget. That that's really important to me and then there's so many funny memories of days out that we've had you know when people do have done really daft things uh, you know um, there's, there's, there's so many um, gosh I can't even you know being away when we've gone away to the youth hostel and we've just had an absolute scream as is, is, there's not there's not there's too many to say specific things because there's I think it's really important that we always create opportunities to have fun and to mm. do do things, you know. And I think I'm very proud of our David project. I think that was a, that's been something that I'm re- we're really proud of our people first. I know I am because it was an important to us, um, and so I'm hoping that I'm hoping that um, you know we, we're gonna there's gonna be some real success as a result of that. Um, so that's if that's I'm very proud of that. Mm. So, despite all the struggles that we have, we always find time to enjoy ourselves and have fun with what we're doing. Yeah, and sometimes I have to be reminded to stop having fun and do some work. <laughs> but I think it's important, you know, people. Are, it's important to have a, ba- a balance of both. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I we obviously our previous coordinator was with us for a long time and. Uh, and I work really closely with them, and but I, I, you know, I'm now responsible for that, and I want the place to be, to have, to have lots of fun. It, it had fun before. That that really does sound like I'm saying there was no fun before. There really was. <laughs> there really was lots of fun. We've had lots of fun over the years, all of us. Um, but I think it's important because I think it brings everybody together as a team and just makes coming to work. If you can't love work then there's no point working here, is there? And I, and I do love it. Mm. Even on the days when I could happily stay in bed. <laughs> um, I don't think I've... To be fair, I don't think I've ever had a day here where I've thought, I don't want to go there today. And, and in 20 years, that's not bad, is it? Yeah, that's, that's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think that's all the questions I have for you, Joanne. But is there anything else you'd like to tell us? Oh, I'm quite sure I will tell you something because I've always got something to say. Now, just just a re- thank you for mm-hmm. listening to me. Yeah, thank you for coming <laughs> to today's podcast, and thank you everyone for listening to today's episode. We hope that we see you in two weeks' time to enjoy our next episode. Goodbye. <laughs>